This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Welcome to the D&D World! Meet you by the art room door In a circle on the hallway floor I made up a new map last night It's got a dragon and a wizard fight You guys have Uber in Arkansas, right? I know yeah. that's probably the most insulting thing I've ever asked you <laughs> <laughs> We do, but we might find somebody that could give you a ride easier Like right. a Courtney or a Carl Oh, it's true. Well, that would be very generous of a Courtney and or a Carl I'll I'll text you about that probably after the show, uh, because this isn't the the Arkansas RPG Con 2019 happening November 9th and 10th. It's the Saver Night Podcast, a podcast about classic Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Crispy, and uh, for this adventure, I am just I'm I'm an, an alchemist that you can hire, and uh, and you have to pay me a variable amount of gold. I am Carl, and uh, for this adventure, uh, this side adventure, I should say, this side adventure, I'm going to be a uh, a sage, and you can uh, ask me questions about ancient lore. And I am your host, Courtney, and I'm going to be a female dwarf with the braided beard. <laughs> oh, that's Named, awesome. I forget her name, Gaga. Sorry, I was going to say Hilda the Great, but... I guess no. there can be other dwarves, I guess. With uh, pigtail braided beards? Heck yeah. Yeah. Hilda doesn't have a beard. Oh. Oh no. Draga uh, does. That's how you oh can my. differentiate them. <laughs> In case you meet them. Yeah, because Mockstara dwarfs don't have beards. Oh. So yeah, right. I should know that about this game I'm playing in. <laughs> well, anyway. I always say that because Miss Star, I don't really care. <laughs> Anyways, this is side adventure number twenty-one, and we're doing a. Do we want to call this an email hot tub time machine or not even a little bit? <laughs> All right, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> it's the save or die email, not a hot tub time machine. It's the email sitting awkwardly around a table. <laughs> it's the email backyard party throwback barbecue fire pit <laughs> s'mores making <laughs> session. In three, two, one. Anyways. <laughs> so uh, we're just going to be answering some emails. On this one, we've got uh, a few that have stockpiled. Sorry we've been gone for so long. That is largely my fault. I've been moving for a month and a half. Well, this is actually um, really a kind of a bizarre situation. And the reason why we're so behind on emails, and I apologize to everybody who's waiting on our response, is the last show you heard was actually recorded before the two shows before it. Uh, and we kind of <laughs> changed up the release schedule due to um, some Kickstarter deadlines that were kind yep. of approaching. So you kind of got things out of sequence a little bit. And because not all of us were on the shows at the same time, uh, we didn't do an email uh, response segment because we wanted everybody to be there for our emails. Uh, so we're going to do it here in this side adventure. Yeah. So what we're saying is emails. we're time travelers. Yes. We're all Doctor Who's. 
That's possible. I've seen multiple episodes where that happens. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, before we jump into that, let's talk about uh, what have uh, what's been going on in uh, gaming in our respective lives recently. This is a terrible segue. Uh, Courtney and Carl, what have you guys been doing? So Carl and I have been introducing new people into uh, Dungeons and Dragons and RPGs. Uh, it started off when my cousins came to visit, and we introduced them to D and D, explained it to them, and they were really excited about getting to play. And so we played a couple of nights in adventures with them, and it was a lot of fun. And it was um, like a month ago, and I don't remember the details, Carl. <laughs> Do you want me to expound on the details of the cousins or just go on to the next thing? No, you can if you... I remember Skelly Boy was one of the characters. And now we yeah. tend to call Skeleton Skelly Boy. That is That has changed the whole vernacular uh, of our... <laughs> is vernacular the right word? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. exactly the right word, actually. Well, good. Because I'm... I'm uh, um, pontificate has caused me uh <laughs> to second guess myself uh, also a word also a word um, that is true um yo uh we have lots of words no it was really cool because um uh, yeah her cousins were in town uh and they had asked about dungeons and dragons I, you know i always try to like meter my enthusiasm for it because like i would play it like every day for the rest of my life happily but i so i don't want to be like you know you'll play now you want to play you want to play now let's play some Dungeons dragons you want to play Dungeons dragons let's do it um so uh but they were enthusiastic about it as well we played a couple of times uh and it was really uh cool uh just seeing people uh, play for the first time and we got to do that a couple of times uh since we've last talked about gaming so um we ran a, i ran a quick adventure it was super basic there was an ogre cave the ogre was a bad guy he was causing problems there were goblin servants um there were secret doors and tunnels and they were trying to locate um uh, a lost relative to someone they met along the way i kind of based it around keep on the borderlands just because that's kind of my go-to scenario uh for introducing new people to games but uh it was very loosely keep on the borderlands um but yeah uh it was it was a lot of fun to get together with them. We used uh, uh, both theater of the mind and minis while they were in town, so they got to do uh, both styles of of gameplay. So that was really nice as well. Hmm. Is that it for you guys? Anything else? So I have been running Dungeons and Dragons Camp, but a local game store, and it's you know eight kids at a time come in and we play. It's fifth edition D anD D and. For the most part, it's been uh, just fantastic, but there is a standout moment I do want to talk about. We were playing uh, D&D. It was uh, eight kids in the group playing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just letting them just veer off into whatever wild destination they want to arrive to. And they keep trying to trap animals. They want to trap animals in this D&D game. So they were trying to capture animals, specifically magic animals, of course. Um, so I, I uh, of course, humored them, and uh, they did catch an owl bear. And this is where it got really interesting because uh, one of the players was playing a druid, and uh, everybody else uh, wanted to kind of capture and sell this owl bear. 
and the druid decided they were not for that, and they were able to cast Speak with Animals and talk to this owl bear and get to know it a little bit. And uh, because of that, it created this um, rift in the party. There, there became this group that was for selling the owlbear, and there was this group that was for freeing the owlbear. And so what happened, you know, during this chaos, and it's very chaotic, people are kind of yelling and shouting over each other, um, which kind of felt like what would be happening in the narrative of the game as well, so it kind of worked. Um, the person who set the trap started auctioning off the owlbear to their fellow party members while the druid was trying to free the owlbear from the net and rolled a stealth roll and snuck over there and started cutting open the net. Um, and they're just like yelling over each other and, and trying to do this. And the, the person trying to sell the owlbear was trying to convince me that they would have seen the person. I was like, well, they rolled a stealth roll. We didn't oppose roll. You didn't see them. Uh, so you just got to auction it off. And then eventually it was actually Connor, my son, ended up buying the owlbear and then talking to the druid and setting it free. No. Oh, um, so... After that, we like took a breather and just talked about one, how this is just a game, and two, the scope of the game, um, uh, you know, and how that wouldn't wouldn't really be happening in if we were playing Skyrim or any you know World of Warcraft, any video game where um, these kind of dichotomies don't generate like that. It was very interesting. So basically, what you what you ran was. You ran like the Jack Lemon movie, Eight Angry Kids. I don't even understand the reference. Oh Carl. <laughs> it's 12 Angry Men. No, they're not, they're not familiar. They're jurors and they argue over what's right hmm. or wrong. Corey right? It. Yeah, it's a, it's like a classic. It's like a seminal American film. Carl, he was homeschooled. Show. <laughs> it's just going to be me and Courtney from now on. Okay. All right. Oh, goodness. I got to talk about Gary Gygax Day, though, as well. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. We've I saw the pictures from Gary so Gygax Day. Much. We've gamed so much. Uh, Gary Gygax Day, um, some friends of ours got together, and we played Basic Expert Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, <laughs> and we also, in that game, had a new person to Dungeons & Dragons play for the very first time. And it was so fantastic to see this person get so into that they were literally jumping out of their chair and miming their bow and arrow during gameplay. And it's just always nice to see somebody kind of attached to it that solidly, that quickly, and get into that imaginary space. That Other people don't do that because I definitely do that. No, I mean, I think lots of people do that, but it it's rare to see someone on their very first time playing the game mm -hmm. grasp it that densely. That's really cool. thing that I thought was really cool is the big monster we fought at the end actually ate some of our party members. And we were playing um, with scenery and miniatures. And our figures actually went inside the mouth of the monster. Like, physically, which was terrifying. <laughs> and then there was a cool little piece that Carl had made that sat to the side. And so the people inside the monster could attempt at least to fight from inside the monster while we were trying to fight from outside the monster. So it was pretty cool because all of a sudden you like somebody would get eaten and we we're like, oh my gosh, they're dead. Oh my gosh, they're just inside the monster. So Oh, yeah. is it like a piece yeah. of like 3D terrain? 
Yeah, yeah, I made it out of uh, hot glue and cardboard. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then there were like um, parasites inside the monster's belly that you had to fight while you were in there. Huh. So even if you got eaten, you were still like fighting. And then, so we kind of had to decide, like, do we kill the monster with these people inside it? Like, is that bad? You know, or like, should we free the, try and get the people out and then kill the monster? We didn't want to kill the monster while they were inside and then them not be able to get out. Or So we had to figure yeah. that part out. That's also the game where Courtney played Graga, the dwarf with the braided beard. And uh, I, I don't have a bearded female dwarf miniature, so I got to try my sculpting skills, and I sculpted a little beard on one of my dwarf <laughs> miniatures. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that did look cool. I described to him how I wanted the beard to look, and yeah, it looked super cool. So maybe we can put a picture up of it. I didn't get to do anything for Gagax Day. I'm, so, I'm jealous. Uh, the only game I've gotten to play has been Magic the Gathering. <laughs> So I'm playing an army of vampires, and my greatest enemy right now is an army of dinosaurs. So, like, I don't understand why people don't like Magic the Gathering. <laughs> but that's it for me. I've been I've been moving uh, tomorrow, not tomorrow, uh, two days from now, because we're recording this on a Thursday. I am going to go play uh, 1E here in town, and I'm pretty excited about that. We're going to be playing the um, against the Giants through, like, um, Demon Web of the uh, queen of the demon web pits is that the name of it q1 so the g series to the q series um there's like an ongoing campaign and i'm super stoked to go and uh and play that cool yeah courtney would you like to read the first email i would all right our first email is from dm kojo dm Uh, kojo dikembe mutumbo kojo (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's what dm stands for Don Miguel Kojo. <laughs> Every time I say DM Kojo, can you say a different one? Yeah. Uh, Diego Medina Kojo. <laughs> I'm just going to say it randomly now for fun. Okay. So, our email from DM Kojo. Dom Marvolo Kojo. Says, hello, sidecasters. I wanted to write in and let you know how much I'm loving the current iteration of Save or Die. When Mike, Liz, and Jim left, I faded out for a while. But I recently started listening to the Immortal Edition episodes and I'm really loving the team of Crispy, Carl, and Courtney. I appreciate that you each bring a unique view on old school games. It is also evident that you do your research prior to each episode. It really shows in the quality of your discussions. Keep up the great work. DM Kojo. Dwight Michelin Kojo. DM Kojo. Uh, D- uh, uh, Dorian Merle Kojo. <laughs> I like that he's uh, uh, been fooled that we uh, prep at all. <laughs> we do prep. We, we do a little bit. <laughs> some of us prep more than others. We'll let y'all decide who's who. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, thank well, you so thank much. You. Yeah. I, we, I had noticed that there was like a dearth of DM Kojo, uh, Daisuke Matsumoto Kojo, uh, emails on the show since we took over. Uh, this is like going on two years now almost. Is it that many? Jeez, wow, time flies. Um, yeah, and I was like, oh, like he never emails anymore. So it's nice to to read those and, and get that feedback. Thank you so much. To have some DM Kojo love. Uh, Donatello Michelangelo Kojo. 
do we have anything else to respond to uh to dm kojo uh 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 decision maker kojo (laughs) i love how christy's pretending to be caught off guard (laughs) (laughs) behind the scenes secrets that's for the d uh, that's for the dvd commentary (laughs) (laughs) sorry yeah, what you'll actually find here in this scene, what's so interesting is that, though it sounds improvised, I actually typed up a list of DM names about five years ago. <laughs> For this one moment. Also, turns out that I'm actually British. <laughs> Do we want to move on to the next one? Yeah. yeah. All right. This one comes from Aaron D. Smale, the Welsh Piper. And he says... I thought people just recently resubscribed to Sod and and beyond. Please to hear once more the soothing assurance of DM Crispy Sage guidance. I thought you were gone from my life, Crispy, but I can listen again with confidence. Well done, DMs Carl and Courtney as well. This is peaking so badly. I'm so sorry, Carl. <laughs> it's all right. um, this new trio is a welcome fit, and I'm really enjoying the show, especially the live play bits. Pure gold! <laughs> Two quick items. Carl's drinking game mechanic is hereby stolen. What a great idea to roll a die for each drink until you're reaching the PC's con. Deftly done! Crispy's impression of me in, ad- <laughs> in Adventure 150 was exactly, precisely how I sounded in real life. I don't know how he did it, but the man knows! Thanks for reviving the podcast. Aaron, aka the Welsh Piper. P.S. I've had mention of a Discord channel. Is that a real sort thing? I couldn't find it, but if it's out there, I'd love to join. <laughs> I, I appreciate the compliments. And uh, <laughs> the Discord is real. It is not sod specific. It is for all of Wild Games Productions and OSRGaming.org, the forums, which I don't know if people still go to those. I'll be honest. I, I don't usually visit them that often. Um, but yeah, it's, there's channels for all the podcasts and there's a pretty active general discussion chat. And, you know, there's uh, chats for all the different specific D&D uh, versions if you want to talk about those. But yeah, it's it's real. And there will definitely be a link in the show notes to this show to it. Thanks uh, uh, for your compliments to the drinking game mechanic. Uh, that, I, you know, in hindsight, I feel like maybe I should have given the dwarf a lower die. Like I should have let the dwarf drink beer as wine. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was spur of the moment. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've, I've received a lot of comments on that uh, on that drinking game mechanic. So I'm, I'm glad it was well received. Maybe I should do a write up and get it posted. I, is this the second email where someone has said that they're stealing yeah, it? I believe so. Because I, I remember someone else yeah, corresponding and saying that they were going to steal your system as well. So you might be onto something. I think it changes it. Like, as a player, it changes it from, oh, I'm going to the tavern and I'm going to buy some beer and this and that and the other and like not really kind of all willy-nilly because usually it's fairly cheap and it's not like part of it and then you know, you're still trying to talk to people and figure out information or maybe like the situation where there was an interaction that it directly affected, but 
I love having the role makes you like think about, oh, do I really want to do this again? Like, mm-hmm. it kind of made it more part of the situation. I, I did like that you could kind of see how you were getting to sort of like hedge bets based on that. Yeah, I've been. Um, there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Carl, is there, do you want to talk about stuff, man? Are you are you OK? No, I'm good now. <laughs> it was good. It was a great carousing mechanic. I think D&D doesn't have by default, but I think it is something that is easy to adjudicate and like would be easy to just staple on to any version of classic D&D. I mean, I think any any. Any you know anything with a constitution stat, you can do it. But yeah. um, I probably wouldn't do it unless people were you know partying or, or or having a drinking contest or drinking to kind of get people to loosen up or talk about something. Then, well, every drink they take, you take a drink with them. Maybe this is affecting you as well. Yeah. I loved that it wasn't um, just like constitution checks. That mm-hmm. it was a set die rule, and you were building up to a total. Right. And then the inherent, like, difference between, you know, Yon having a 15 constitution versus me having, like, an 11 constitution mm-hmm. is, you know, he's got that extra buffer, but there's still that chaotic chance. Yeah. With it's, the it's, it's hit points. It's just hit yeah. points. It's damage and hit points. Okay. Uh, we have an email here from uh, Demos. They are emailing us. They are saying, thanks for the Mastara episode. They write, hey guys, thanks for covering Glenn's primer. Was nice for Mastara to get a little love from Save or Die. The podcast has always seemed to focus on low to intermediate level play. The Gazetteers were developed with a 36 level range in mind. You might consider having Glenn come back on the next time you cover one of them. One minor point of clarification. The sitting was originally referred to as the Continent in X1 and the Known World for the Gazetteer series. It only became referred to as Mastara in the mid-90s as a rebranding for the AD&D 2E conversion. Game on, Demos. That, you know, I kind of thought that was the answer when I asked that. And his answer to that that specific question of when did it start being come, uh, known as Bastara, he put it a little earlier than that. And I don't know if maybe there's a reference to it somewhere that I'm not familiar with. Uh, yeah, that's I, I appreciate the clarification demos. Um, and uh, yeah, I definitely uh, uh, am interested in having more kind of Mastara focused episodes as we kind of... Uh, fill in the gap that that has existed uh, in the history of Save or Die of of not really uh, knowing a lot about that campaign world. And there's other campaign worlds that are attached to to basic D and D, but not any as strongly as Mastara. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's the D and D world. Like you know, you put a coder in the machine, and you get welcomed to it. That's true. Yeah. Um. I I was aware that it was mis- It became Mastara when it got converted to 2e um i wasn't on that episode though so like yeah this is not you guys um, <laughs> this isn't a correction for crispy this is a correction for yeah, me and courtney i get to stay technically correct all right well let's uh let's move on to the next email all right we also got an email from chris holmes says, hey, I enjoyed reading your teeny book of rules. I will keep it in my work bag and try it out on some kids. 
Someone on MeWe suggested letting your players make up their spells. This seems kind of dangerous to me. Perhaps some guideline system is in order. I was inspired to upgrade the magic missile spell for my beginning player, and it made me think we might have a potential topic for your show. Spells to compete with sleep, you might call it. The teeny book of rules uh, referenced here. I, I had a um, rule set that my dad and I worked on that we were um, handing out at North Texas called uh, Wizards and Heroes. Uh, it has not been published yet. Um, I got some revisions to do for it. And once those revisions happen, I'll probably put it online um, at Ordinary Human Games. Uh, it's it it is a rule set that relies very heavily on game master adjudication, and there are no listed spells. The players just make them up as they go, and the uh, the game master has to say, okay, let's uh, let's tweak that here and there, and then you cast it. Um, but it is a it is a game that I have intentionally made to to play with uh, children who have boundless imagination and want to play. Uh, anything from robots to ninjas to anthropomorphic jelly beans. So uh, it's just the way I, I typically play um, D&D with my kids. And uh, I was going to say, I just I know all three of those characters are Connor's characters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, he, he used to always want to play a soccer ball with arms and legs and a face. That's exactly how he would say it. He would mm-hmm. say, I want to play a soccer ball with arms and legs and a face. And I can- Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's me, Saki, the fifth level fighter. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a it's kind of like a, a trait based old school Dungeons and Dragons esque game. But I mean, so far, it's not really been an issue. I mean, so here's the thing. And what kind of any uh, uh, Chris Holmes kind of uh, uh, illuminates this this point for me. Um, I just didn't really worry about the spills being balanced because first level spills aren't balanced anyway. Um, sleep is clearly uh, more powerful than ventriloquism. Oh, the best spell. Right. I mean, so why worry about whether or not the choices they make are balanced if the spell list isn't balanced to begin with. I mean, this, and it goes on through the levels. Fireball is a more powerful third level spell than other third level spells. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's not a concern. The, the spells aren't balanced, and I don't really even know that they should be or that I want them to be. I like the idea that there are these certain more powerful spells than others. There's these formulas that you can learn that are those are the really powerful spells, and and that, I think that's an interesting thing, not necessarily a a negative. I um I I do like that system, just like sort of as it's been described here. Um, Tim, my old co-host on Critical Wits, who was on Saber Die when we did the episode on the D and D arcade games, he um he has like an LLC, and he's made you know that. Uh, paper minis for people and um we took those to a convention once and we were going to uh basically let people pick out a a character and develop a special power based on just the look of the character so sort of taking your mini and being like this is their special ability and they only get one um and there's not like hard fast limits on it but like that was a super cool idea that we had had and this kind of reminds me of that, and I, I I like it a lot. Yeah, it's a very uh, malleable system for character mm-hmm. creation. Yeah, I've ran it for kids a couple of times, and I was actually very uh, 
uh, elated uh, because uh, the last time I ran Dungeons and Dragons for kids, at the end of the session, they asked if next time we could play Wizards and Heroes. I was like, oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I don't think it's outside of like the intent of the rules, which is, you know, like here's here's a bunch of spells. But, you know, if you spend some gold and some in-game time, which is effectively nothing, uh, like you can make your own spells, research well, your own and develop your own. And, and like that's that's what you're doing. And anytime you listen to the stories of like the uh, creation of Dungeons and Dragons and all, all mm-hmm. this kind of Wild West situation that it was, people were making up their own spells all the time. You yeah. Know, uh, Luke Gygax tells a story about like Melf's uh, acid arrow. It, no, it's not Melf's Acid Arrow. It's the other Melf spell. It's like little glows of combustion or something like that. Minute meteors. Minute meteors, yeah. Where he was like, you know, I, I cast a fireball in a room and it killed everyone. So later on, I was like, I want like a contained fireball that I can control the area of. Uh, and his dad was like, all right, well, if you like spend this much money and go find these things, you can do that. Yeah. Which is what Wizards and Heroes is doing. I think that's really cool. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, uh, quit talking about the the silly little game I made. And I'll read the next email. I thought I was reading the next email. He is. You're reading the next email? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Addressed to you guys. Sorry. All right. Next email. Uh, This one comes from uh, Eric Champion. And it is addressed to Carl and Courtney. He says, hello, Carl and Courtney. In my head, you will always be the Wizened Fighter and Granger. But first impressions are like that. We played together in the Dwarven Forge Ant Colony Gone Wrong. I sat behind you two during the game. Uh, and in the game, I followed Granger into the tunnels and died. <laughs> two things. You seem like super cool people. And I'm going to make a point to play in one of your games next year. I had so much fun at that game. Uh, two, thank you for turning me onto the podcast. It's my new woodshop companion. Thanks for hanging out with me while I sand. I'm still wading into the OSR waters and trying to find a slash start a group to play with. My table is all slathered up in 5e, and I don't think I'm going to be able to hose that off. Champ. Hi, Eric. Thanks for writing in. It was awesome to play with you. I'm sorry I led you into your death. It was not my intention, but there was a whole lot of big ants. I, I played the wizened wizard. Uh, Crispy bespoke and said fighter, but I was a wizened wizard. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Elder Yawn. Um, I just didn't want uh, Eric to go back and look at his email and say, did I say that? Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I've just, I had a blast playing Elder Yawn. I've played him a couple times and he's just a Gandalf parody, but he's hilarious to play for me. Uh, Eric Champion was uh, uh, great to play with, uh, uh, game with. He, um, He's a woodcrafter. He talks about sanding in his wood shop. Uh, he makes actual uh, uh, dice trays and, and kind of accessories for tabletop RPGs. Uh, that company is called Crafted Artifacts. Uh, you can find him on Etsy, etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Crafted Artifacts. Uh, some really cool stuff there. Uh, he showed us some of his stuff uh, while we were playing. That was in Stefan Picorni's, uh game uh which was just fantastic and uh he showed us his really cool dice tray that he had with him and was magnetized and uh, stained and just looked awesome yeah we were i was looking at his stuff before the show it's super nice and we can definitely leave a link to his etsy store in the show notes for sure yeah it's really cool 
Um, I I know what he means about trying to like get a group of OSR play together. Uh, but you know, five e. It's uh, I feel your pain. I feel your pain, champ. There's always the internet, but that's not near as much fun as getting together with people. Yeah, I mean, you can always look at Roll20, like, uh, I guess Epic Words or Obsidian Portal are still things, uh, or like Fantasy Grounds. We talked a little bit about this, and I, I just, I, I guess it bears repeating, I think. Um, I, I think the easiest way to get people to try old school Dungeons and Dragons is to veer away from specifics so like don't say this is first edition ad and d don't say this is basic expert 1980s whatever just say this is a very simple very easy to learn version of D D. because i think you're kind of leading into the unknown territory as opposed to leading into this is going to be super easy for you you're going to pick it up like that um and, you know, most versions of old school Dungeons Dragons, when you're playing with a, a game master who's familiar with the system, are super easy because, mm-hmm. you know, the math is kind of all done for you beforehand. Um, and it's just a, a little bit easier to play in, than 5th Ed, in my opinion. I agree, but none of my friends do. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Anyways, uh, anything else we have to say in response to this one? No, let's move on. I'm going to read the next email. Uh, it is also from Chris Holmes in response to Courtney and I, uh, our recap of North Texas RPG Con. Uh, Chris Holmes writes, The highlight for me was hanging out at the bar talking about weird movies. Thanks for your nice review, Courtney. Can't wait till next year. Man, if only there was another upcoming convention sort of in that you know part of the united states ish that was coming up in say i don't know november where other people could come to meet up with say all three of the hosts <laughs> carl do and you they know play any conventions like super that super cool games with super cool people i do know of a convention like that it's in <laughs> arkansas tell me more <laughs> um uh so um I'm just going to move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no we did, uh, uh, we did uh, spend some time talking about old weird movies. And it was, it was funny because it was, uh, it was a group of us. Uh, Noah Green was there. Some other people were there. Um, uh, uh, and, and it was weird because like two of us would remember some old weird movie and nobody else would. And then a group, two different two people or three people would remember some old weird movie and nobody else would. So it was just funny to see the selective uh, memories kind of trickle through the group uh, as, as people go, Oh, that was so bizarre. Remember this scene and that scene. And it just sounds like chaos <laughs> when you haven't seen the movie. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I know what you mean. Like there are shows from the nineties that I thought I hallucinated <laughs> until <laughs> Just browsing around on the internet, someone else brings it up, and it's, yeah, okay, that did exist. I'm not a crazy person. Yeah, man, 90s cartoons were uh, uh, very strange at times. There was some very weird ones. Mm-hmm. All right, we want to move on to the last email? Yeah, Courtney, sure. do you have anything to say to Chris Holmes? I was not at the bar talking about <laughs> weird movies. No. I was asleep. I'm pretty sure when this was happening. But you're welcome for my nice review. <laughs> All right. Um, 
our last email for this segment uh, is from a different Chris. It says, hi guys, I love the podcast and the recent Holmes edition was one of the best. A note about the octopus though. They have six arms and two legs, hence the six attacks. Holmes, being a medical man, would have known this too. Chris. Well, Chris. Hmm. Not sure I can agree with you on this. I have two arms and two legs, but if I'm in a fight, I'm using all four appendages. Even, even though I have to stand on two, or push or propel myself on two, I'm still going to find a way to fight with all four appendages. I'm not just going to be like, oh, only two arms. That's all I got. Just saying, they make D8s. It, you could roll a D8. <laughs> but if you're if you're swimming, I mean, do you feel like uh, you would be able to kick effectively while swimming? If my natural habitat was water, hmm. I think I would find a way. As if as I'm my floating natural, in like, water, I'm gonna... land. Yeah, like you're floating. You have buoyancy, so like it's, yeah, if even you're underwater, so. you can like grab a dude by like the lapel and like mule kick him. <laughs> Hold and, on like, though. Tell yourself off of it. Hold so on. So now you're though. telling me an octopus can mule kick? Hold on though. None of this matters. You know why? I looked up this study. This study where they 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 determined the arm use of octopuses, not funded by TSR, like we kind of theorized in that episode. This study happened in 2008. The Holmes Basic Book was written in 1977. This proves John Eric Holmes, Time Lord. That's my theory. <laughs> and it also proves that Holmes was never in a fight where he needed all his appendages. There was so much buildup to Carl's thing. <laughs> for for time travel for uh, like a doctor who payoff or, or or possibly that he's just super ahead of his time like he's just like you know what i bet they're going to discover in roughly 40 years <laughs> that octo octopi octopi only use six of their limbs for manipulation they're cephalopods, is what, is what you're, I think you're thinking of. Well, octopi works. But, like, I don't know. Like, I think Courtney's still right. You're going to use all of them. <laughs> and if you're underwater, you don't have any, you don't have to, like, balance yourself. So, like, they, you could do, like, a windmill slap. <laughs> Just get all ten of those in there. Or eight, rather. That's the, only, all, <laughs> the only way to solve this is to go find an octopus. <laughs> All Let's right. start a ring of illegal underground. I'm gonna start fights. a GoFundMe. It's gonna be underwater, <laughs> not underground. It's gonna be it's somebody called call Michael Vick and the guy <laughs> who caught Shamu. <laughs> too soon? <laughs> not too I mean, soon. But... So D and D rules though. D and D rules though. I fighting a goblin. I have my two legs and my two arms. I still only get to swing my sword once. I don't get to roll for each foot. But if you might only get one, I don't know. Get <laughs> that's six that's player character rules, though, because that's an owlbear gets true. a claw claw bite. That's true. But they don't get a back claw back claw. Well, no, because they're standing on them. But, <laughs> right. but if they were in water. If they were in water. <laughs> 
Alright. Oh, is that what we don't know? Is this octopus on land? See a landopus? A walk is the octolay? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. With the water breathing spell. <laughs> is that gonna be it for the show? So if you want us to argue over your crazy points, feel free to email in to the show. Is that a bad segue? No, it's yeah. you, did, you didn't say the email, though. <laughs> I don't know the email. I mean, Questions at saverdie.info Email into the show, questions at saverdie.info and we'll argue over you. Wait, that sounds bad. <laughs> no, Chris Holmes is my friend. <laughs> we'll argue, cuss, and discuss your points. We don't cuss. <laughs> On air. <laughs> time travel, Crispy. Time travel. The well, only I'm explanation. Not... Well, he did kind of have crazy hair. I could buy it. I can see Questions at saberdie.com. Info. Dang. Question. Oh, wait, do it again. The whole Doctor Who <laughs> song and everything? I was going to say questions on saverdie.info over it. It's all right. We got it. All right. Okay. <laughs> the Die Podcast is a production of Wild Games Production, and it's produced for entertainment purposes only. The music used in the intro and outro is by Tripod and used with permission. Be sure to visit the Saber Die crew at saberdie.info for more information. If you'd like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash WGP. Laugh at me, that's not the news. Oh.